Hello and welcome to another episode of Fix Your Crown, part of Nerds Rule Inc. Nerds Rule Inc. is an organization that promotes social change. It exists with the purpose of training young leaders and equipping them with tools that allow them to inspire and change different communities. The founder of Nerds Rule Inc., Dr. Trisica McRae, knows of the importance of making change, and I am so privileged to be working with her, part of this podcast. Welcome to another episode. I am Matthew Filer. I'm a podcaster for Fix Your Crown, and I'm so thrilled to be on the team and to host another episode today. Today's episode will focus on mental health. My guest for today is Dr. Reynolds. A little bit about her before I officially introduce her. She is a native of San Diego, California. She has a bachelor's degree in human services. She has a master's degree in public administration and she has a PhD in organizational management and leadership. During her career, she has worked with different communities and in different sectors. She has worked with at-risk and out-of-school youth and guides them to a better path. Within this, she has had the privilege to help over 500 young people, and and she's allowed them to receive a diploma, a certificate, or get a job. She's also worked for Neighborhood House Association for 15 plus years. She was a huge cornerstone of Desert Rose Adult Education One Stop Center in North Las Vegas, and she describes this to be one of her most impactful and influential projects of her career. She's currently the program manager of mental health first aid trainings at Mental Health America, and Mental Health First Aid Trainings, a program that is endorsed by former First Lady Michelle Obama. Well, I am privileged and so excited to be joined today by Dr. Reynolds. Dr. Reynolds, thank you so much for joining me today. No problem. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Of course. Glad that you're here with us today. So starting off, I'm just curious, what got you interested in choosing a career path in the mental health sphere? And why do you sort of find such work to be so impactful? That's a good question. Um, it really started off as something that I needed to address because um, as statistics point out, one in five youth suffer from a serious mental health disorder and one in 10 adults. Um, I do. I am the mother of five daughters. So with that statistic saying that one in five youth suffer from a serious mental health disorder, I really realized that I need to have the tools to be able to give my daughters the tools to be able to deal with any risk factors that happen in life that causes the most common mental health disorders. So really, it was something that personal to try to help my family, but seeing how common it was with other people. Sort of saw this need and sort of saw the prevalence of mental health and sort of wanted to, you know, make this, make change and create a career to help other people, which is so wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. What is Mental Health America and how did you become a part of working for this group? Well, thank you. Um, Mental Health America is a nonprofit agency that um, we have various different programs. We have programs such as Father to Child, Mental Health First Aid, Strengthening Futures, and Alternative to Detention. Um, It's an educational and advocacy program that provides services to individuals that may be suffering from the most common mental health disorders. So we're not a, um, a behavioral services, it's more like education and advocacy for regular folks. And a lot of people think that you actually have to have the degree or be interested in mental health to deal with mental health. I can tell you that um, 
the help that's out there. Psychiatrists, it's not enough psychiatrists and psychiatrists that notice the signs and symptoms. So it's going to be regular folks like you and I that see people on a regular basis. And then how do we approach people to get them to go get the help? And that's really what Mental Health America is about. It's really advocating and educating people about the stigmas that's out there. Awesome. And I think that's such a great, I didn't know about Mental Health America before I even sort of was planning to talk to you today. So wow. it's really wonderful to you know, let people know about this, uh, you know, what Mental Health America is. Thank you. Thank you. So you specifically, and I mentioned this in your bio, so you are the program manager of mental health first aid trainings, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So can you tell me a little bit about what that program looks like? Mental health first aid is a eight hour public education training program that again, teaches regular folks the most common mental health disorders that's out there, the risk factors and discuss the signs and symptoms. When I say signs and symptoms, people really don't know this. Signs are things that you see and symptoms are things that people feel. So oftentimes we really don't know that when we're having a conversation with a person that we can pick up the signs and symptoms through the conversation that they may be seeing. So if you have somebody say something like, I just don't feel like being here no more. That's a cue based on our training to actually say, what do you mean like you don't wanna be here no more? How long have you been feeling like that? Because when people say that, they're really looking for help, but a lot of us don't have the tools to help people. So we minimize them or try to shut them up because we are not equipped to deal with it. But just imagine if you knew a person that was dealing with something that did not know how to deal with it and all they need is just listen to them. And really that is what the training is about is identifying the risk factors, the signs and the symptoms. And then once you see the combination of those two, how do you approach that person and get that person to want to go get the help? Mm. Wonderful. And thank you so much for that. And I think that is really important because I feel like in school, you learn like math and science and history and, you know, you don't always touch on that like social emotional aspect. Definitely. Definitely. Some schools are first tapping into that now and that's hard because how could you learn and how could you be okay and how could you sort of survive if you don't have those tools for yourself mm -hmm. or other people, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you, put, you hit on the point, um, Matthew, one of the tools that I talk about is a lot of people know how to hear but not a lot of people know how to listen. And a lot of people know how to talk, but not a lot of people know how to communicate. So just as simple talking about college, a lot of us didn't take our first um, communication one-on-one -on -one class until we was in college. But look how long in our life we've been talking to a person. And if you just understand that, you know what, these tools are critical that instead of listening to a person, I mean, um, hearing a person, I should actually be listening to a person, which means I don't say a word. I just let that person say what they feel. Um, we never take classes like that. Even for me with my degrees, I never once took a class that told me how to listen, which means be quiet. I always took classes on how to help folks. The most critical thing is just to listen to a person. That's all they want you to do because we have these quick fixes on what you should have, could have, would have, need to do, but never realize that we need to actually use those same tools to ourselves first because we suffer from the same risk factors and signs and symptoms that the people who we want to help suffer from. Mm -hmm. Sort of to distinguish between like hearing and listening and talking and communicating because they're very similar and it could kind of be blended to sort of to just teach people like, and it's so simple, but sometimes we don't even know. So mm -hmm. that is, it is uh, really wonderful. My next question for you is um, with COVID-19 and the pandemic, a lot of people are home. A lot of people are maybe deciding to go back to school. Maybe they're either doing just asynchronous you know, online learning or sort of their um, county isn't opening, you know, their school doors. So, you know, what do you sort of, Nerdsville Inc. 
um, the audience that we target is a lot of teens and young adults. So sort of, if somebody's listening to this podcast, what do you sort of want to tell them um, in terms of COVID-19 um, to be able to like take care of themselves and those around them and maybe look out for things that may sort of, you know, be signs that someone that they know isn't doing well. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, COVID-19 is an actual risk factor. So already off the top, by me knowing that it's a risk factor, now I look at the signs and symptoms that I want to approach a person. So if I have a person that's kind of um, nervous or having a lot of anxiety, they're starting to feel depressed, those are the signs and symptoms that can stem from COVID. What I would do is have that approach and say, you know what, I've been noticing or I'm concerned about. I've been noticing and then I'll point out the signs and symptoms because with a person based on the stigma, if you tell a person that they're crazy, which is literally what happens, those are stigmatizing words that prevent a person from wanting to hear you. But if I come with some actual signs and symptoms that cause me to be concerned, show the correlation between the signs and the symptoms and the risk factor, hopefully you, and that's where it gets a little challenging. There is no quick fix for this. Just to be honest with you, there's no quick fix. And like with um, the school, to be creative and innovative, which gets us to do things the same way, but a different way, which will help us get through this COVID time of being in the house and you know um, a time of unsurety. It's thinking things differently. It's the same thing, but maybe go to school and now you're on school virtually. Um, go outside, exercise. And there, I have a lot of um, simple things to talk to people about self-care because a lot of people don't know that self-care is really the catalyst with managing mental illness. And self-care is something simple that's laughing laughing at a problem that would normally stress you out will help you deal with that problem more than getting stressed out, angry, frustrated, and now you can't think of how to deal with that. If you just learn to laugh a little bit, cry, walk, drink some water, exercise. Like there's so many things that a lot of us didn't know that we can do to manage. And that's the key word, manage. None of us can actually snap our fingers and never feel this feeling again, or we don't even have choices on if we can have this feeling. It's when we do have this feeling, what do we plan to do? See, sometimes we think that we did something that caused this feeling. And based on the stigma that's out there about people that have mental health, who would want to admit that they have anxiety and depression? But once I see how common it is, once I see that I had no control over it, when I know better, I do better. If I don't know better, I'm not going to do better. And this is my life. So I really, and again, this training that I am the program manager of, to me is a lifesaver because one is a free training that allows people to talk about things that has nothing to deal with you. Most times when we talk about mental health, you usually have to be in the office of a psychiatrist or a psychologist. So we already know that you're having any problem. What Mental Health First Aid is a public education training program that allows us to talk about the risk factors. Again, the risk factors. So people that's unemployed, it does not discriminate if you unemployed, if you um, now you don't know where you're going to stay at. We live in California, which is a, a very high cost of living state. So now we, not only do you have to worry about employment, but now you have to worry about your house and you have to worry about if you're going to be a teacher with your kid. There's so many worries. But once we realize that these are things that I have no control over, but I can manage how I get, I can manage how I grow through it. Cause see, there's a difference between going through something and growing through something. And oftentimes we grow through something to help somebody else. And that's exactly what we talk about with our mental first day training. It's not that we help you because we have to recognize those signs and symptoms within ourselves. And once we know that we have no way to just get away with it, we have to manage it, then it's easier to approach another person that may have it um, to get them to want to get the help. Mm 
Thank you for that answer. And I think that's so like really, it's really interesting for me to hear that because I was actually a counseling minor at school where I graduated from. And a lot of times you learn like how to help people and all these psychological theories and, you know, and psychological theories. And like, yes, I think that's important and sort of, you know, to know that work, but sometimes, you know, you just need to like, like you said, just learn how to help somebody, just sort of mm-hmm. how to be a good friend, how to be a good listener, how to be a good mm-hmm. advisor, like how to just mm-hmm. be a good family member, how to, you know, and sort of everything could be very scientific or it could be very just like, I just want to connect to this fellow human being that's like needs help. And I just want to like be the best person to them that I can be. And And I think that's like the work it seems like that you're doing for, if I'm understanding correctly, it seems so wonderful. Maybe more of like what we need in our society, especially right now. And there's a lot going on in a lot to comprehend how our society is functioning right now. So um, yeah. I also wanted to ask you, what are some of the most, common mental health disorders that you see and you work with and maybe some of the signs or symptoms of those different um, disorders. Thank you for asking that, Matthew. A lot of people think that the most common mental health disorder that's out there is schizophrenia and bipolar because we hear it the most and it has the most stigmas that's behind it. And so we remember that. But the most common mental health disorder that's out there is anxiety. And when people say, I have anxiety, what they don't realize is there's many different types of anxiety. So anxiety is just the overall disorder, but what type of anxiety do you have? And so some of the types of anxiety that's out there is a specific phobia. So some people could be specifically scared of spiders, arachnophobia, specifically scared of dogs, scared of heights. But guess what? If I knew that I'm specifically scared of dogs, I can manage that anxiety that I feel because I know that I wouldn't be working at a veterinarian place because there are dogs there and that's where my anxiety is at. So again, if I know better, I would do better. If I knew that heights is something that causes me to feel this feeling, I probably wouldn't be living on a 90th night floor. You following me? So knowing what causes me to feel this feeling helped me do better because I know better. Another type of anxiety is a social anxiety disorder. A lot of people don't realize that some people are just socially anxiety. They get this, get this feeling about being around a lot of people. I think one of, the, one of the professions that should definitely be more familiar with social anxiety disorders is teachers. Because one of the things they do is they test. They say the word test versus evaluating. I'm just evaluating based on what I, I um, taught you and I'm evaluating what you know versus a test. Because a test means you taught me something I'm supposed to know. If I don't, this is, yes, that's anxiety. My anxiety goes up and my mind closes because I can't think. If I was a teacher, I would know better. So I would do better in knowing how to approach people. So when you gave my bio, I worked with a lot of out of school at-risk kids who dropped out of school because there was a year where they was doing a proficiency exam, which meant at the end of your year, when you graduated, we were going to test you from everything that you learned from kindergarten to 12th grade. Some people couldn't even retain what they learned last year in 11th grade. So you mean in order for me to get this diploma, I really have to take a test. I I quit, Miss Antonia, I'm done. And so being able to talk to individuals about the wording, I can de-escalate a person's anxiety just by saying, you know what, at the end of the year, we're going to have an evaluation to evaluate what you know. Okay. Um, Another disorder is PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. A lot of these things co-occur. So a person can have a specific phobia, social anxiety, as well as a post-traumatic stress disorder. But if I don't know, what causes these feelings all day, every day, I could be feeling this feeling of, oh my God, my heart is racing. And there's nothing worse than your heart racing because when your heart is racing, it's like it's 
Um, some of the analogies that I received is some people feel like they're a fish out of water. Some people feel like it's an elephant sitting on their chest. And so to hear the analogy that a person feels, to know that I can give them some cues to be able to de-escalate that feeling. Because again, when you know better, you'll do better because you'll start managing ways in which you feel. And then the last couple of anxiety disorders that's out there is something called generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, and something that's very common right now is agoraphobia. So people will have a fear of going out in the public, not only for COVID, but all the, um, the, the social injustices that's going on. It's a lot of things that cause it. So I, I had a friend that used to always go out and support me and we used to always go out and now all of a sudden she does not like to go anywhere. She's been kind of reserved, isolating herself. Guess what? Based on this training, I know. I've seen a risk factor. I see some signs and symptoms. And now I'm going to have this conversation with my friend because she may not see the combination between these things. That makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for outlining all of that. And you really spoke about that you know, in a thorough and really efficient way. So I thank you for that. Something else I want to talk about that you mentioned, I think, when you were talking about um, anxiety um, earlier is about with teachers and sort of like seeing those symptoms. So I'm curious for you, like sort of when you find sort of symptoms or sort of see like different signs that sort of maybe somebody may need some support. What do you think is the importance of maybe like teachers and counselors and parents and sort of, because, or, or even doctors, I think a lot of people sort of like break it up in like groups and sort of section, mm -hmm, like you do mm -hmm, this, you mm -hmm. check it off and done. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. what's the importance of sort of working together? For anybody, it doesn't matter what role you play. The first thing you need to do is because see, a lot of people come to the class because they want to help other people. I can't help nobody help nobody else until you can use these tools yourself because mental health disorders does not discriminate. So I can guarantee you that you have had some risk factors, you have had some signs and some symptoms, and how have you been able to apply the action plan that we teach to yourself before you start to go to somebody else? Because what it looks like is me telling you what you shoulda, coulda, woulda need to do, and you see me looking all array. That's really not gonna help you take my advice because you know that I haven't even used my own advice. So what we do in the training is, first you have to work on your approach. Go have that conversation to yourself. What does it look like? Does it look like that you telling somebody something that you would not want to hear? How, what's the language that you can use? What's, when you talk about communication, it's just not the words that come out your mouth. It's your body language. It's your facial expression. It's your confidence. So before you approach anybody, the first thing that we teach in my class is, Go have that conversation with yourself. Go work in the approach. Look at yourself. Look at your facial expression. Is your body language kind of arms crossed? Because if you go to post somebody to have a conversation about mental health, which is a very sensitive topic with your arms crossed, you're already sending the message that you really don't want to deal with them. You know how they know? Based on your body language. And to see, if we don't know that, then we just messed up our approach because we didn't work on it before we even start helping that individual. So just being able to apply these action plans to yourself before you approach another person will definitely help people be more receptive to hearing this news of mental illness. And um, another thing that I want to bring up is, um, is an analogy is a lot of people know what an EKG machine is. Even with the kids I deal with, what they say, the first thing they say to me is, Mr. Tanya, you don't understand. And what I tell them is, I don't look like what I grow through every day because it's manageable. I shouldn't wake up looking like I got five kids and finished three degrees and I'm facing the world just like everybody else. Because if I'm coming to help you, I have to apply the tools, you following me, that I learned in the school to myself. 
And then when you say that I don't understand, then obviously it makes it look good that I can manage all these factors that I'm growing through. So now it's easier to help them. And what I have to actually do with them is show them the EKG machine that it's ups and downs, highs and lows, good days and bad days. So even if you was to find the right combination of medicine to make you feel better, you're living. And you know what living is? Ups and downs, highs and lows, good days and bad days. If you look at the other side of the message on an EKG machine, it's just a flat line. Most people want things to be copacetic and straight and all good all the time. You know what that means? That's death. It's never going to be copacetic and straight all the time. So whether we're on the, the spectrum of having a mental health disorder or not, we all have ups and downs, good days and bad days, and they're all manageable. Uh, what a powerful message. And I really like that analogy. Like I never even thought about that, but that is so true that that's, that's how our, right, that's how when you look at like the physiological, like, like parts of ourselves, that's what it is. So that's, you know, how sort of. Yes. Lives mirror and yes. Yes. And that's the lifeline that people want to hear because they look at people like you and I, Matt, and they think that, you know what, we never had a bad day. No, we know how to manage our bad days. We know that, you know what, it may not be the greatest day tomorrow, but, um, the next day may be better. You know, um, I have a lot of um, philosophies that help me just manage. It is what it is. Um, this too shall pass. Make a way out of no way. Those are things that help me. And and if it helps me, hopefully if I talk to you about it, hopefully it can help the next person as well. Mm -hmm. So one of my last questions for you is, what do you sort of want to say to somebody who's listening who maybe is struggling or maybe you were, you were just talking about the managing and the being able to cope with it, but maybe somebody who's not, what do you want to tell them? And you mentioned the word stigma before. So what do you want to tell them to sort of be able to get help or to be able to, you know, find their path again? To a person that may be struggling with mental health disorders, just know that there's three virtues that you need to have and the three virtues that a person that you're dealing with that needs to have. And it's faith, patience, and empathy. And let me just say with faith, you don't know when things are going to get better. You just have to believe that they are. Okay. There's no time frame. Again, a lot of us, we want quick fixes and the world has been able to cater to us to give quick fixes. And so when we have a illness, we want a quick fix. This is something that you're going to have to manage for the rest of your life. And again, just keeping in mind that we all have good days and bad days, ups and downs, highs and lows. So even if you're struggling today, you have to keep on, keep on keep on keep on keep on finding or looking for the help because it's not just going to be right there and even when you find the right combination of things to make you feel better keep in mind that you're still going to have some ups and some downs some highs and some lows because you're living this thing called life and empathy means you putting yourself in people's shoes that you never did before oftentimes we walk in our shoes and our perceptions with our experiences and we never get in up of people's shoes other people are not us. You're not me and I'm not you. So I can't expect you to deal with things how I do. And I think that this training that we do have, it gives you those tools to kind of humble yourself to realize that if you are helping somebody that has a mental disorder, you're, you're, you're equipped to help that person. You're, you're, you should be blessed to be able to give that person the empathy to be able to live a life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wonderful wrap up and wonderful way to sort of you know, encourage other people and sort of to end on this good note of life, right? Here. Yes, thank um, you. So my last just um, overall question is, if people are interested in learning more about um, the mental um, health first aid, 
how can they sort of get in touch with you or where should they sort of reach out to sort of either get this training or learn more to maybe refer to somebody they think may be um, able to benefit from such a program? Well, thank you, Matthew. And um, it is an eight hour um, public education training program. After you finish the training, you get a certification that's good for three years. Again, it's similar to um, first aid and CPR. It's just helping a person with anxiety um, and, and being able to, to help a person that may be suicidal. Um, so the way that you can reach out to us is go to our website at www.mentalhealthfirstaidsandiego.com. Um, we have classes almost every day. They're broken up into two four-hour sessions, and we are offering them virtual. So we offer them virtual as well as in-person. And again, after you finish the training, you get a certification that's good for three years, as well as a manual um, that we go through. And this manual is not just a book, but it is action plans to be able to help you be more abreast with the action plan so you can provide it on a more fluid basis. What do you think sort of is the, like if somebody goes through the training and they had this certification, like what is the benefit of having this certification and going through life with this? It's tools. It will give you some additional tools to be able to manage life for yourself, as well as to de-escalate a person that may be having a crisis or episode. So I believe that it will give you some additional tools to be able to help you manage your own life, as well as help someone else. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Reynolds, for joining me, telling me about the program that you're program manager for, mental health first aid trainings, but also walking me through some of the common uh, mental health um, you know, issues that people may deal with and sort of giving me a little bit of background of you and your work um, from me, from the Nerdual Inc. team. We really thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. And we believe that your message in this podcast will really be beneficial to our audience and to others who will be able to listen. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thank you again to Dr. Reynolds. Thank you to the audience for listening. So make sure to tune in next time to future episodes or even past episodes that we have already done part of the Fix Your Crown podcast out of Nerdual Inc. And make sure to follow Nerdual Inc. on social media to keep posted on the amazing and impactful work that the organization continues to pursue. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day. Hello, 